Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we are welcoming Tiffany Wilder. She is a mindful embodiment coach with a passion for guiding, driven, self-aware people to step off the emotional roller coaster of living reactively and connect back to their sense of personal agency so that they can experience more clarity, connection, and joy in their relationships, work, and sense of self in the world. Her work is grounded in a fascination in the human condition, which she has been exploring over the last 15 years, both formally through studying psychology, behavioral science, yoga, meditation, and embodiment practices, and through observing and cultivating shifts in both herself and her clients. Driven by her own experiences and the impact this work has and continues to make on her life, she is committed to empowering her clients with the skills to consciously create and embody lasting change and the confidence to continue practicing and evolving well beyond the time they work together. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My first question. How did the fire of life made you the gem you are today? Uh, so I think which is the case for most of us who have been through similar experiences of um, dysfunctional relationships, let's call them to be polite. Uh, I grew up in a system, a family system that had, uh, because of my parents' own traumas and their experiences coming up, its own uh, dysfunctional elements and the role that I learned to play within that family uh, led me to have relationships where the balance was really off. Uh, it wasn't new but the one that really stands out is a five-year relationship I had with a man who at the time I didn't even realize was abusive because it wasn't abusive in the sense of physical violence and I didn't know much about other kinds of domestic abuse. Um, but it was really explosive. It was all about him. It was that real narcissistic codependent dynamic, which of course I didn't know at the time, but I was all about other people and had didn't have that strong sense of self. Um, and he was all about him and his needs and anything that veered away from that became quite explosive. Um, and it wasn't until I had a friend at the time who was talking about her own relationship I can't remember the exact example, but she said something like, I'm thinking of leaving him. He said I was unreasonable or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, if she's considering ending her relationship because he said she's unreasonable, what am I in? Like, what is this that I'm living in? It was a real wake up. That subtle experience of her sharing that was a wake up call. And I was like, comparing my situation of being screamed at, sworn at, yelled at and feeling really unsafe in my own home to her being, I'm going to draw the line because he said I'm unreasonable. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> you know, when you have that moment, you're like, oh, I just saw clearly for the first time ever. Um, and it still took me a while to get out of that relationship. Uh, I didn't have the skills to leave. I felt guilty for leaving. I felt like I was abandoning my partner at the time uh, but once I came out of it 
I started to notice how many of my other relationships with friends and even employers and all these things were similar versions of the same thing where it was all about them, where my needs were invisible, where, you know, it was really that dyna same dynamic over coming at me from everywhere. And once you see it, it's like you see it everywhere. Uh, so that's when I started to do some of the self-work and I really was experiencing a lot of anxiety and panic attacks at the time. But off the back of that, a couple of years later, I got really sick. I was sick with chronic fatigue syndrome for about three years. It took me to recover. And in the healing process, you know, in order to heal from that, I made a commitment to heal on every level, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but life taught me <laughs> what it means to heal on every level. And I had to look at how I engaged with the world on, you know, how I engaged with other people, how I fed myself, how I nurtured myself, every level, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And it's there that I learned the role that I was playing in those relationships, how that had formed coming up and how I could start to move away from it and towards health, healthy relationship with myself first and then with other people and the freedom that came from that work and it was not easy work I'm not going to downplay that um, but the sense of freedom and optimism and you know like feeling genuinely connected to people in ways that I had never experienced learning what it felt like to be seen and heard, you know, genuinely seen and heard was so empowering and joyful that it led me to do the work that I do now. This is beautiful because it embodies everything that we can consciously become self-aware as you will approach like self-aware clients to become self-aware to such a deep level to all these different dimensions and aspects of our beingness. I'm not even going to talk personality, but beingness. <laughs> it goes way farther, right? I yeah. mean, this is a beautiful journey that you went through. It really was like, I wouldn't wish that chronic fatigue syndrome on anyone. It was hell. But I feel like if that hadn't, well, that happened for me so that the rest of my life could be better. And I do feel like life gives us opportunities, first like a little knock, and then eventually if you don't answer that knock, like a <laughs> so and what we need to learn. You know, life went to me, lie there in the dark for days until you can face what you need to face to move forward. But thank God it did because it saved me from just going on this hamster wheel round and round in circles, round and round in these dysfunctional circles that were eating away at me physically, like physically making me ill, emotionally making me ill, mentally making me ill. And the only person who could change that was me. You know, supported, I had support 100%, but the person that actually does the work is, is us, is me. I mean, you cannot help someone who cannot, who doesn't want to help herself. Just doesn't no, work. No, we're not responsible for the things that have happened to us, but we are responsible for how we can heal, mm -hmm. and nobody can do that for us. Mm. All right. So. It's. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. And <laughs> I mean, we have a similar experience. It's like okay, beautiful. So. 
I think that you naturally answered my next question, which is about that shift, because that experience with that lady who told you that for being told unreasonable, she thought about cutting off this relationship and that you compared yourself, your relationship with hers, and you realized that you were a world apart and that you were still putting up with it, still thinking it was okay. Unsafe, but okay. Right? We normalize it, or it's been normalized for us. I know. That doesn't make it normal or healthy or, you know, what we want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I was for caught in the idea of that passion and pain. Yes. And, you know, in a whole other conversation, we could talk about attachment theory and how that all works. Um, but... It was, it was like this wake up call, you know, it's almost like in a movie when everything kind of zooms in all of a sudden. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is this? Um, and thank God for that, like simple conversation, right? That was the... If that has served as a vector of your inspiration. So you are, you, 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 sorry, I mix French and English because you see is tu vois, so it, it was like you are, it's like, forget it. <laughs> no, so you see, um, that podcast that we are doing right now is made so that something in our conversation is going to hit home exactly the same way as this sentence hit home for you and woke you up. Yes, and I, I think if, we don't know what plants the seed for people. And sometimes you need to hear things a certain amount of times before you can really hear it. But exposing people to what is considered like healthy and unhealthy, empowering people with knowledge, it gives them that impetus to start moving, to start shift, to start even, even forget about moving, just observing. That is always the first step. Becoming aware of what is, is actually what's working for me and what I want for myself. That's just like as simple as that. That's where we have to start with that self-awareness. And that feeds back into the topic of the day, radical responsibility. When did you hear these terms the first time and how did it resonate with you? Or maybe not resonate because it can be scary when you hear that the first time, right? It was during my recovery. And I've forgotten the author's name now, but I think the, the book might even be called Radical Responsibility. I'm not entirely sure, but it resonated, it resonated powerfully for me from the word get-go. Because at that stage I knew like, I knew what the doctors were telling me, which was not much. They don't really know much about that condition yet. They give you a lot of like, oh, you know, you might recover to 80%, you might not. It might take, you know, on average, it takes seven years for people to recover if they're like, just all this stuff that I could not, I was like, no, I cannot listen to that. I know that I'm going to have to figure this out for myself and I'm not going to give up till I do because I can't. You know, a friend once said to me in the midst of it, if it stays like this forever, what would, like, how you do with that? And I'm like, I, I, I couldn't. If it stayed like that forever, being in pain every day, being so like disabled by my symptoms, I wouldn't have survived it. Like that's just the truth. I was already, it's already a heavy mental load. It definitely um, is, yeah. 
And so hearing that language and that idea of like taking responsibility on every level and acknowledging our role, because the, the, the only true power we have is to shift our role in anything. We can't change other people. You just can't, but you can change your role in anything and how you engage with yourself and how you engage with the world. So when I heard that, I was like, yes. What it is about me that's attracting this? What is it that I can shift within myself so I can not have to live out that pattern anymore? I don't want to do it anymore. It was that real, like, I have like this stubbornness in me and it served me in some ways, especially in that recovery. Like, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm recovering to 100%. What do I have to do to make that happen? And so this radical responsibility is, it's, it's not about self-judgment at all because judgment actually hinders our growth. If we get stuck in judgment or sh and, and those shame cycles that come with, with it, the parts of our brain that help us to learn and grow shut down. We do more of the things that we don't want to do because we're self-soothing or avoiding feeling those difficult feelings. So it has to come from a place of, of like unconditional love for the self, which is not always easy and is a practice. It's not something like, ta-da, suddenly you love yourself. Um, but understanding like, how did I get to be this way? What do I want to let go of so I can move forward in a different way? And I think that's at the crux of what radical responsibility is. Mm -hmm. And it, it is also with the decision because love is a choice first and then you start to feel it. Yeah. First, you consciously choose to love, to love yourself first, to love your partner, to love it's your children. Right. And it's not easy, especially when it just goes against what you expect to see or to experience. I remember that at one moment in time, I had two relationships before the one I have now. And at, at one moment in time, at the end of the five years first term, I realized that it's a choice. And that actually, what if I make a choice that I do not love anymore? What happens? And shortly after that, I was able to leave for real and for good my own my first narcissist and many yeah, other of other wow. things it's super powerful super powerful and when you take radical responsibility about your well-being and you realize that the people around you are no good for you and that you have to do the work anyway all right Life is short and long at the same time. How are we going to live it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We cannot, well, we can. We can live in blame and like let life just happen to you. It's very limiting though. Or you can make conscious choices, take responsibility for the outcome, regardless of what happens and create the life that you want to live have the life that you're choosing and and one is one that I don't want to engage one and one is one that I do right um but it is it's a choice like hold on and it's not even always about you know love is not enough in a relationship 
And if you've been fed that narrative, which a lot of us were coming up, not just from our families, but from, you know, stories and this and that and that, that's all about love. Love is not enough. Love is not what relationships, healthy relationships have in their foundation. Yes, you want to love each other, but love is a doing word. It's, It's an action. Are they being loving towards me? Am I being loving towards them? Is there trust? Is there communication? Is there honesty? And without those things, like, love is just not the be-all and end-all. of Unconditional love, that bigger, like capital L love, yes. But you can love someone unconditionally and accept that you're not healthy for each other. Only with love, you can let go of someone. 100%. With love. You can see them for who they are with their experiences, what's made them the way they are, and go, that's still not okay for me. I, I can love you, but I can't have you in my life. And what I did also notice is that the more you love, meaning that you give that appreciation, see someone is love. So because you give that attention, which is the original matter of creation, right? This energy. Yeah is God. This is why we say God is love. And um, when we give attention, we give love. But giving love does not mean that the relationship is balanced, that there is a healthy give and take, that everybody is complete and whole, that everybody is fine together. We might still completely not um, hook with each other. Oh, no, not to get along with each other. We might trigger each other's wounds and bring that out in each other. Always. That may happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is more complicated than that, isn't it? I love that. That's why we say God is love. And it's in the attention. That's beautiful. It's interesting because, you know, part of healing and coming out of the history that I've had, and now being a mother and trying to break generational cycles, you know, like I'm not going to fix them all. I'm <laughs> taking that pressure myself. But it's noticing, it's noticing the pressure to do things differently that I put on myself and how much that's not always sustainable, but how coming back to love means accepting when you mess up, repairing, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but that by being aware that you're making all the difference, like doing it consciously. That's where the shift comes in. That's where that attention comes in. Like what kids really need, what we all need, because we're all just grown up kids, is to truly be seen and heard and accepted by somebody. Like that's, that is what love is. And, and it works for a lot of us to get there, to be able to feel safe enough to be seen and heard. To, and I, I guess that's what that thing about the red flags, where that comes in. Because a lot of the time, accepting where we've come from and that radical responsibility means acknowledging the gaps that were in our experiences coming up and where we were conditioned to forego our own needs to get the, the love and, and attachment that we needed. 
and how that served us then. It served a purpose. It was adaptive because you need to do that to survive as a kid. But how if we continue that on through our adult relationships, it no longer serves us and how it leads to that real codependent narcissistic pattern. And it's doing it with that compassion. It's not like, oh, my God, I've been. No one's asking to be mistreated. It's not about that. But it's about learning healthy boundaries, learning how to value your own needs, learning how to speak up for yourself so that you do attract someone who respects that, who, who can meet you there. Whereas, you know, narcissism and codependency are two sides of the same coin. They're both born of not having your needs, your needs met as a child. One person becomes all about them and one person becomes all about everybody else. And that's why they fit so well together. You know, well in terms of you know, <laughs> dysfunctional systems. Oh, me. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're attracted to each other because it's, it's what they call um, the bite that fits the wound. You know, those teeth marks fit into that hole so well, but it's not healthy or, or something that you want to aim for, obviously. Um, but acknowledging that, what am I, what is my wounds that is attracting this bite? How can I heal them so I don't have to keep playing that out? That's where that power comes in. Amazing uh, image. Amazing image. I really like it. It explains us so a lot of what's going on. It does, doesn't it? And what I love most about our conversation is that we both are out away from those abusive relationships and we can safely reflect on what was before so that people who are listening to us right now might think to themselves, huh, me too. I want to have that kind of conversation and to talk about that past relationship. So for that, I have to make it past. Oh, <laughs> so now you start to think, okay, so what, what do I do now? I, I see this pattern sometimes in people that they have a really uh, obviously abusive relationship and they come out of it. And then for whatever reasons, they're not ready. It's not their time, blah, blah, blah. They don't do the self-work. And they step into another relationship that isn't as obviously abusive, but is still really dysfunctional. And they're accepting that because they're like, at least it's not, at least I'm not being physically abused. But I think we deserve better than that. And anyone, anyone can make the changes. No one has to be stuck. And I'm not saying it's easy. I know that it can be really, really hard, but it's not easy to stay in a toxic relationship either. So both are hard. Choose your heart. <laughs> One is hard, but it, it, it's, it changes. It's like growing out of the mud, that lotus yeah. mud. And yeah. one is being stuck in something that's really debilitating. So it's worth jump. Like a lot of us are scared of change because change is scary. People will often stay with the discomfort that they know rather than risk changing. But What I'm saying is that despite the work being confronting and challenging, it is worth that risk. Anyone can do it. Anyone can shift out of those relationships. Nobody has to stay stuck like that forever. And get help. Get help to do it. You don't mm -hmm. have to do it alone. I think that's really important as well. 
And the good news is that help is available online first. And this is the easiest way to go about it. So this is why in the description of this podcast episode, there is every link possible to reach out to Tiffany. And you have everything about me as well, Gemma Serenity, so that we are here to help you. We are here to hear you. We are here to help you think through what happened so that it can make sense, so, so that you can take radical responsibility over your well-being, your happiness, your safety. 100%. 100%. And feeling safe within your body, within yourself. So it's so important. It's so liberating. It's it's freedom. It is. And I know that not everybody out there has access to, you know, can afford paid help. But podcasts like this, book recommendations, there's there are pathways to start wherever you're at to get the help that you need. Because I know in some, you know, uh, domestic violence situations, financial abuse is a big part. People don't have access to money. Women don't, let's be honest, women don't have access to money in those dynamics. But there are, we are so lucky at this time that there are so many free resources out there to get anybody started. Never in this history of time before have, there, have we had this access to wisdom and knowledge. Whatever the first step is, people just need to take it to trust that one step in the right direction is leading you to that new sense of self, that freedom, that liberation. Beautiful. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your wisdom, acquired wisdom through fire. Thank you for being here today, for empowering our audience and for giving them your helping hand. Well, right back at you. Thank you for creating this platform and for having this conversation. And I look forward to having the next one with you as well. Sounds great to me. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye for now. Bye.